All right, hello, and welcome to another broadcast from Airs LA. Uh, my name is Nancy Porter, and I am happy at this episode to share articles from Time Magazine's July 3rd, 2023 issue. I must remind you that you're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired, and materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers, and no unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. All right, this is from the Times' 100 Most Influential Companies, the businesses and leaders from the artificial intelligence to fashion that are shaping our future. First, a selection from the section called The Disruptors. Uh, headline or title, Open AI by Edward Felsenthal in San Francisco and Billy Perigio in London. CEO Sam Altman is pushing past doubt into the future. You ever watch Star Trek? Sam Altman, the CEO, has become the most visible face of the current artificial intelligence boom, has just called us an Uber. The 38-year-old serial entrepreneur has lately become known for taking up the risks of AI but he is at his most animated in talking about its possibilities. So transformative is this new technology that responds naturally to our verbal commands that he envisions new hardware for it, something eventually like the Star Trek holodeck in which characters use their voice to conjure and interact with 3D simulations of the world. An interface like that feels fundamentally right, he says. Ultimate's company, OpenAI is only seven years old. It has fewer than 500 employees. Pipe some pan flutes and whale sounds into the airy, light-filled lobby of its headquarters in San Francisco's Mission District, and it could almost be mistaken for a spa. But in the space of six and a half months, the company, through its viral product ChatGPT, has vaulted AI into public consciousness. Few doubt it's at the vanguard of a revolution that will, for better, and probably better or worse, and probably both, change the world. ChatGPT is almost certainly the most rapidly adopted product in the history of technology. It's also one of the most versatile, capable of responding to a vast array of user prompts, from tell me a joke to Draft 10 slides with ideas to grow revenue at a hair salon. It can write poetry and explain scientific concepts. Altman says he uses it for routine tasks, like pulling highlights from his overflowing email inbox or to draft a tweet that I was having a hard time with. Essentially, a super-powerful autocomplete tool trained to generate language by observing patterns in large quantities of data. It has its limits, including a disconcerting inability to separate truth from fiction. OpenAI's warning about this, placed beneath the text input box, has not stopped people from using it for homework, investment advice, and even therapy. Consumer-facing AIs had hit the market before, but something about ChatGPT's text message-inspired conversational interface clicked. 
in the days following the November 30th release, OpenAI employees were glued to their screens, posting graphs in the company Slack channel as usage numbers took off. It just keeps going up and up to the right at a steeper and steeper angle, says Dion Yoon, API's Vice President of People. Two months later, ChatGPT had more than 100 million unique visitors. According to data from SimilarWeb, Instagram took 30 months to reach that level. It was the start of an AI arms race. Google declared an internal code red and fused its two AI labs, Google Brain and DeepMind, into one organization. Microsoft, having already invested $3 billion in OpenAI, poured in an additional $10 billion. Billions more flowed into startups and the stocks of public companies that could plausibly, and implausibly, claim AI would supercharge their growth. In March, OpenAI upped the stakes again, releasing an even more powerful tool called GPT-4. Tempering all this promise is real fear. There's little doubt AI will make many jobs extinct, as new technology does, even as it creates new ones. It's also enhancing the ability of bad actors to flood us with fake content masquerading as truth and fake voices that sound eerily like those of our actual loved ones. Can we ever trust what we see or hear? Ultimate acknowledges, with the unsettling matter-of-factness, that the answer is probably no. You can't trust a voice you can hear over the phone anymore, he says. We just all need to start telling people that this is coming. In the wrong hands, these tools could cause even worse problems. Launching cyber attacks are causing havoc in financial markets. And if AIs were to become capable of making plans on their own and acting on them, especially if those plans are not aligned to human values, it's possible to imagine them deciding that humans are obstacles to their goals. Altman himself joined dozens of other tech leaders and scientists recently to sign a statement that cast the development of AI as a risk on par with pandemics and nuclear war. The worst case scenario, he said earlier this year, is lights out for everybody. This has become Altman's calling card, championing the possibilities of AI while urging policymakers to get going on rules of the road to mitigate the dangers. I'm a Midwestern Jew, says Altman, who grew up in St. Louis. I think that fully explains my exact mental model. Very optimistic, but prepared for things to go super wrong at any point. A related theme of Altman's is adaptability. The idea that success comes from the ability to reorient yourself to even radically new circumstances. In his professional life, 
Adaptability is part of a skill set that guided Altman to great wealth in his late 20s and early 30s, as he helped launch thousands of new companies as a partner and later president of the renowned startup accelerator Y Combinator. It also informs his belief that we as a species can avoid the worst of what AI could bring. Society is capable of adapting as people are much smarter and savvier than a lot of the so-called experts think, he says. We can manage this. The evangelist preaching about risks, yet plowing ahead anyway, is just one of the dualities that come through in conversations with Altman. He is an outspoken advocate for AI regulation, with his own opinions about which ones should apply to his company. You should be skeptical of any company calling for its own regulation, he acknowledges. He is an avowed capitalist who says he has no equity in open AI, structured his company to cap investors' profits, and advocates a universal basic income program to temper inequality, which many believe AI will exacerbate. He professes faith in the ability of these models to continually improve, despite the fact that he and his colleagues concede they have limited insight into how the technology will actually evolve. Even the people who create them don't actually know what they can and can't do, says Helen Toner, a member of OpenAI's board. I expect that it's going to be probably years before we really know all the things that GPT-4 can and cannot do. How much we're able to trust the human beings who are tuning these powerful machines' algorithms, both their intentions and their capabilities, will be one of the great recurring questions of the coming years. In conversation with OpenAI employees across a range of departments, a recognition of AI's dangers is a near-universal talking point. It's a far cry from the playbooks of tobacco, fossil fuel, and social media executives who spent years denying possible harms before finally being forced to acknowledge reality. The semantics start to sound a bit Orwellian. Yoon, the HR's chief, says hope and AI doesn't use the term competitors, a nod to the importance of collaboration with others in the field in order to avoid bad outcomes. When asked about the AI arms race, a company spokesman objected to the metaphor, saying the whole arms race is a bit triggering for us. Of course, it's hard to argue that OpenAI didn't play a significant role in triggering what is now unfolding in the industry. It is a race, says Tristan Harris, the ethicist who co-founded the Center for Humane Technology. But collaboration among the major players will be key. We need to coordinate because it's not about getting OpenAI to more safety. That wouldn't do anything because everyone else would just keep going faster. Harris is concerned that advances in capabilities are exponential and advances in safety measures are linear. And about the commercial incentives 
of driving the show rather than conscious considerations about what world we want to see. Altman views the ChatGPT interface as an advance over the iPhone in its simplicity and says it was inspired by his own love of texting as a kid. The decision to give ChatGPT a horrible robotic name, Altman says, was a very deliberate one. He frets about the temptation to anthropomorphize AI tools, which can undermine the distinction between humans and machines. Here is another duality. ChatGPT is trained to remind users that it is incapable of having opinions. And yet, ChatGPT's human qualities, its conversational interface, its liberal use of first-person pronoun, were a key part of Made It Go Viral. Despite the massive investment from Microsoft and the shift to a profit model that even capped allows for 100 times returns, OpenAI still considers itself a research lab committed to its original mission of ensuring artificial intelligence benefits all of humanity. OpenAI still considers itself a research lab committed to its original mission of ensuring artificial general intelligence benefits all of humanity. The company's culture is defined by it. I think it's important to push the technology as an antidote to the bad use, says Chief Operating Officer Brad Lightcap. If this project had started 60 or 70 years ago, it probably would have been a government-funded effort. OpenAI brought in a reported $28 million in revenue last year, which would be less than half of what a typical car dealership brings in. But Altman says he feels little immediate pressure to bring the company's commercial success to the level of its clout. Asked how much time he spends worrying about competition, he says, You're not going to believe me on this, but almost none at all. What keeps him up at night, he says, is not surging competition from language models such as Google's LAMDA and Meta's LLAMA and Anthropic's Claude. This is super different than who gets a little bit more or less of Martha market share, Altman says. We've got to figure out how to manage this and have this go well. A few days after our visit, Altman embarked on a five-week blitz across six continents. The trip, he says, was designed to get him out of Silicon Valley echo chamber. To some extent, it was also a victory lap and an attempt to encourage and influence global AI regulation as nation states wake up to the power of the technology he now steers. On his tour, Altman addressed the U.S. Senate, met the British and Indian Prime Ministers, opined on forthcoming EU AI regulation, and urged collaboration with China. On May 24th, Altman spoke at a university lecture hall in London. 
The line to get in snaked down the road and around a corner. Instead of disappearing backstage after the talk, Altman hopped down into the crowd where he was surrounded by students and journalists. He posed for selfies and gamely answered questions. After heading out through a revolving door, he had a short discussion with protesters who had come to picket, one carrying a sign that read, Stop the Suicide AGI Race. With no bodyguard or PR handler in sight, it was a starkly different scene from earlier stage-managed tours by Mark Zuckerberg and others. As with tech companies before his, there is some daylight between what Altman says and what happens behind the scenes. At the London event, Altman told reporters that OpenAI may decide to cease operating in the U.S. as a result of the bloc's forthcoming AI regulation. In a meeting last year with European Union officials, which had not been previously reported, OpenAI pushed back against wording that would have required general-purpose AI models like ChatGPT to comply with the same rules as AI tools considered by the EU to be high risk. In our conversations, Altman expressed deep optimism about society's ultimate ability to adjust to AI's risks. To ensure that the people you hear on the phone or see on the video are really who they say they are, for example, he foresees society coming to a use of a mix of technical and social measures, such as code words or cryptographic keys that verify identity. He sees the promise for AI to eventually do a huge amount of the mundane tasks that occupy our days, and at the same time grapple, grapple with prompts like discover the cure for cancer. Says Altman, the exciting parts are almost too long to list. And yet, he has mused aloud about whether OpenAI did something really bad in creating ChatGPT. Altman has long been reported to be a doomsday prepper with guns, medicines, and gas masks at the ready. He rolls his eyes at the characterization, which he finds overblown, but adds that he does find for survivalism an interesting hobby. Look, if AGI goes wrong, no bunker is going to help anyone, he says, adding later. The scary part is just sort of putting this lever into the world will for sure have unpredictable consequences. All right, the next article about the Time 100 Company's disruptors is titled Plenty, Farming to New Heights by Jared Lindzen. Between climate change and population growth, the global food crisis looms larger. Plenty is looking up for solutions and selling produce at scale. Its patented indoor farming tech can grow peak season quality produce anytime with up to 350 times the yield of conventional farms and just a fraction of the land and water. Its new flagship facility in Compton, California, offers proof of the concept, supplying Walmarts in California with leafy greens as of this year, 
and a facility now under construction in Virginia will grow strawberries in partnership with Driscoll, helping that company avoid shipping berries across the country to the East Coast. We are rewriting the rules of agriculture, says CEO Amara Kukotai. While some of its competitors falter, plenty is pointing to a vertical farming future grounded in regional partnerships with big retail players. The next article is Colossal Biosciences, Reversing Extinctions by Jeffrey Kluger. It's been 4,000 years since the woolly mammoth went extinct, but Dallas-based Colossal Biosciences wants to change that. In 2022, it announced it had sequenced the genome of the Asian elephant, which shares 99.6% of its genes with the woolly mammoth. Combining that with DNA samples from mammoth remains could mean a rebirth of the species. The company hopes to work its de-extinction magic on other species, including the dodo and the Tasmanian tiger, and threatened species could be saved from extinction by editing more diversity into their genomes, making them more robust. The next company is titled Four Day Week Global, a work-like rebalance by Jeremy Gantz. The Monday to Friday grind is outdated, argues the nonprofit behind a raft of studies of what happens when workers drop a day without losing pay. Productivity doesn't fall, says CEO Dale Weinstein, because rested people perform better. During a six-month pilot last year, attrition went down and revenues held. 92% of participating businesses said they'd stick with this new schedule. The group studies also inspired legislation. An Australian Senate committee called for its government to back a trial, and in March, U.S. Congressman Mark Takano reintroduced a 32-hour workweek bill. Future research will focus on implications for sustainability, equity, and civic participation, says Wellahan. We've only scratched the surface. Oh, and now from the section titled Innovations, the first company is Kia America, powerful EV pivot. Kia America is shedding its reputation for inexpensive cars and embracing the industry's future with stylish, award-winning electric vehicles. In 2022, the company hit a new annual sales record as it launched its first dedicated battery-only EV, the EV6 crossover, which helped Kia play second only to Tesla in the United States. EV sales for most of the year. The automaker's transformation continues in 2023 with its new three-row SUV, the EV9. Fifteen electric vehicle models are planned for Kia's global lineup by 2027. People are really surprised when they get into a Kia vehicle because it's not the Kia they remember, says Kia America CEO Sung Kyu Yoon. Maybe that's why Kia says that in 22, 60% of its customers were new to the brand. And that was written by Novid Parsi. Next company, Tazo, 
Responsible Brew. Tazo, a unit of Lipton teas and infusions, has embraced a broad definition of regenerative agriculture, supporting not just sustainable farming, biodiversity, and climate awareness, but also human rights. In some farming communities where teas, spices, and botanicals are grown, there's climate change already impacting many communities and the day-to-day -day reality of poverty, says Jamie Luchik, head of Tazo and Portfolio Sustainability at Lipton. In 2022, Tazo helped efforts like Fair Trade USA's emergency program to provide food, medical supplies, and housing relief to those affected by severe floods in Assam, an Indian tea region. And that was submitted by Don Steinberg. All right. We move now to, I mean, the next company titled Aclima, Mapping for Air Pollution. Bad air's health impact disproportionately affects minority communities, but policymakers need data to break change. Across the United States, Acclima's sensor-equipped cars are giving cities block-by-block -block measures of greenhouse gases and air pollutants. Near warehouses, we can see the precise impact of diesel trucks on a particular community, says CEO Davida Hersey. Measurements like this guide dollars and guide action. In 2022, Oakland, California used its data to begin an air quality plan that includes relocating truck yards, new building requirements, and air filtration at senior centers. Aclima is also helping New York State to meet emission reduction goals. And that was written by Don Steinberg. All right, moving on to... Crocs Mass Appeal by Jared Lindzen. Once an internet punchline, the world's quirkiest footwear company is now a fashion phenomenon visible everywhere from airports to celebrity-filled award shows. A knack for clever collaborations, including in the past year or so with Minecraft, General Mills, Lisa Frank, and the 7-Eleven, has helped take the slip-ons mainstream. The company knows how to give people what they want. CEO Andrew Rees says, When our fans asked for adult-sized Lightning McQueen clogs, we listened and delivered, says Rees. Crocs, Incorporated has seen four years of soaring revenue growth, including a record-smashing $3.6 billion in 2022, representing a 54% year-over-year rise. Last year's acquisition of fellow casual footwear brand Hey Dude powered some of those sales, which show no signs of slowing around the world. Next company, Schneider Electric, Cutting Corporate Emissions by Allison Van Houten. Corporate carbon footprints can be huge, but Schneider Electric's energy management business works with 40% of the Fortune 500 companies, helping massive clients reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We start by helping them understand where they are, says Steve Huyite, Senior VP of Schneider's Sustainability Business. That's where a lot of consultants' work ends, but not ours. 
Last year, it helped Walmart accelerate adoption of renewable energy in the megastore's supply chain, coordinating suppliers to buy into a 12-year wind power contract. Schneider has also acquired a bevy of software and service providers to help reach its goal of saving clients 800 million tons of carbon dioxide emissions by 2025. Next company, The North Face, Circular Clothing by Jared Lindzen. The opposite of wasteful fashion is circular clothing, garments that are built to last and be reborn as new products of similar quality. The North Face is pushing the trend forward with 20 new products announced in October that incorporate elements like single fiber construction and trim that support easy disassembly and reuse. But before a fleece jacket can find new life, consumers have to send in old clothing. So the company also retooled its product Take Back program inviting customers to drop off items at stores and offering a $10 credit to loyalty program members for doing so. It's all an effort to minimize waste and promote cycleability, says global brand president Nicole Otto. Next company, Therabody At Home Healing by Jared Lindzen. Therabody's Theragun changed how we managed muscle pain, democratizing massage guns previously reserved for athletes and medical professionals. But the company was just getting started. In 2022 and 2023, it launched 15 new products, including TheraFace Pro, an 8-in-1 skincare device, a wearable sleep aid, a vibrating compression sleeve, and new iterations of its original claim to fame. Last year, it also kept busy suing and settling with copycats over alleged patent infringements. Taken together, the expanded lineup helps people relieve pain and stress, improve sleep, increase physical performance, and support skin and beauty health, CEO and President Monty Sharma says. Next company, Taco Bell Feeding Fans by Alison Van Houten. Mexican-inspired fast food chain Taco Bell is a case study in effective marketing. It has mastered relatable humor and celebrity partnerships over the past year, and it's paying off. When Doja Cat lamented the discontinuation of Mexican pizza, her flippant tweet snowballed into a successful campaign to bring the product back in May of 2022, driving $45 million in pizza sales and an 8% overall sales spike. And as a growing number of U.S. states introduced bills restricting drag performances, Taco Bell launched a drag brunch tour across five states. The ploy helped buoy record 2022 sales and earn praise for celebrating drag. Many brands are exclusive, and ours is not, says CEO Mark King. Next company is Turan Orbital, 
Satellite Advances by Jeffrey Kluger. Not a lot of people paid attention on November 13, 2022, when the microwave oven-sized capstone spacecraft began orbiting the moon. But they should have. Astronauts will follow Capstone's lead. Built by Turan Orbital, Capstone in May completed one of its primary missions, operating for six months in a novel, highly elliptical orbit that NASA's Gateway Lunar Space Station will fly when it is launched at the end of 2024. A pioneer in the field of small satellites, Turan has established a robotic assembly facility that dramatically slashes production timelines. By the end of next year, says Mark Bell, co-founder and CEO, you can order a satellite on the first of the month and we can deliver it to you on the 30th of that same month. And the company hopes to prevent orbital litter. Its Earth-orbiting satellites are designed to re-enter the atmosphere and vaporize at the end of their useful lives. Next company's uh, thumbnail sketch is Thread Up, Slowing Fast Fashion by Caitlin Petrichek. Thanks to surging inflation and increased awareness of the environmental impact of fast fashion, Resale has become one of fashion's hottest sectors, and online consignment marketplace ThreadUp is capitalizing. This year, its resale as a service offering allowed brands like H&M and J. Crew to host online resale shops for their own goods, giving retailers the platform to cut back and positioning ThreadUp for significant growth. If we can help brands build a direct circular relationship with their customer that advances the sustainability work they are trying to do, says CEO James Reinhardt. By December, it counted 42 brands as clients and boosted revenue to $288 million. And that is by Ketlin Petrichik. All right, the next company is Verta Health, Fighting Diabetes by Angela Halepit. Type 2 diabetes care has long centered on management. Verta Health aims to flip that paradigm to focus on reversal. After one year, clinical trial participants eliminated 63% of their diabetes-specific medications and 94% reduced or eliminated insulin use. Traditional disease management for chronic diseases has not worked. It's largely pharmaceutical-based, President Kevin Cumler says. The program combines telehealth support with personalized nutrition to help patients develop better dietary habits and can lead to significant weight loss. In the past year, Verta has partnered with a growing number of health insurance plans, including Humana and Banner Aetna making it even more widely available. The next company being highlighted is Applied Materials Chip Making Consortium. This is by Don Steelberg. In May, Applied Materials Applied Materials Chip Making Consortium by Don Steinberg. In May, Applied Materials 
the largest maker of machines that produce semiconductors, announced it will spend up to $4 billion to build the EPIC Center, a huge research and development campus in Silicon Valley aimed at rebuilding U.S. influence in chipmaking. Once completed, it will be the largest facility of its kind, providing university researchers and chipmakers like Intel and Samsung with dedicated space and early access to advanced tools to design new kinds of chips. The company says the facility could house $25 billion worth of research in its first decade, with anticipated funding from the Federal CHIPS Act doing what it intended to do. And we move now to the section called Titans. The first company featured under Titans is Microsoft, Integrating AI by Billy Perigio. A few years ago, it may have looked as if Microsoft's most revolutionary days were over. But CEO Satya Nadella has quietly been making smart bets on AI, which have begun to pay off big time. Billion-dollar investments in OpenAI, which uses Microsoft supercomputers to power its breakout chat box, ChatGPT, positioned the company at the fore of the AI revolution, prompting competitors like Google to respond. Microsoft is now integrating AI into its software, from Bing to Office, touching the lives of hundreds of millions of users. Its subsidiary, GitHub, uses OpenAI's tech to power Copilot, a tool with 100 million users that has revolutionized coding by allowing people to turn natural language into functioning computer code. Wow. Next company being highlighted as a titan is J.P. Morgan Chase, Big Banking by Don Steinberg. America's largest bank once again assumed the mantle of industry savior in May, stepping in to pay the FDIC $10.6 billion for the remains of First Republic, the largest bank failure in U.S. history, after that of Washington Mutual, which J.P. Morgan bought at the height of the 2008 financial crisis. The New Deal should sustain many First Republican branches and employees, though concerns remain about the long-term health of mid-sized banks, excess bank consolidation, and the reliance of the economy on one firm's self-described fortress balance sheet. This part of the crisis is over, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon assured investors. For now... Everyone should just take a deep breath. The next Titan company being headlined is Major League Baseball, The Need for Speed by Sean Gregory. Baseball has always been obsessed with numbers. Home runs, strikeouts, runs batted in. Major League Baseball's 2023 success can be summed up in three digits. 239. As in 2 hours 39 minutes. The average time of a game this season, 
compared with three hours, six minutes a season ago. In recent years, baseball, whose overall annual revenue approached $11 billion in 2022, has faced a slew of criticism for taking too long. So this year, Major League Baseball instituted a pitch clock, 15 seconds to hurl with the bases empty, 20 seconds to throw a pitch with a runner on to quicken the pace. The rule so far has worked. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred expects attendance to rise by up by 500,000 from pre-pandemic levels. The next Titan company being featured is Disney, Corporate Citizen, by Belinda Luscombe. Future historians looking for a crisp illustration of the cultural divisions in 2020s America would find it hard to resist this one. A hundred-year-old company built on family fun in a political slowdown with the conservative governor looking to make his name. That showdown intensified in May when Disney canceled a $1 billion development project in Orlando as part of its feud with Governor Ron DeSantis. Companies that endure, says Bob Iger, who unexpectedly returned as CEO in November, do not abandon their core values. And Disney remains formidable. In 2022, its film studio was the world's top grossing for a seventh great year. The next Titan company being highlighted is Apple, shortening the supply chain by Don Steinberg. Under pressure to reduce its reliance on Chinese factories for economic and human rights reasons, the $394 billion company is pulling its supply chain closer to home in ways that could boast the U.S. economy. In May, it announced a multi-billion dollar deal with semiconductor producer Broadcom for radio frequency chips and other wireless components that will be made at facilities in Colorado and elsewhere domestically. It's part of Apple's plan to invest $430 billion in the United States over five years, likely with generous aid from the Federal CHIPS Act. All of Apple's products depend on technology engineered and built here in the United States, CEO Tim Cook said in a press release touting the ingenuity of U.S. manufacturing. The next Titan company being featured is IBM, Quantum Leaders, by Charlie Campbell. For decades, nobody gets fired for buying IBM was an immutable business maxim. The New York behemoth was so dominant that shopping elsewhere was to admit defeat. But IBM's crown slipped as Asian competitors gobbled its lunch. No longer. The $120 billion firm is back at the vanguard of revolutionary technology running more transformative quantum computers, 60, than the rest of the world combined, while partnering with giants from Boeing to Sony. In just seconds, quantum computers can solve problems that would otherwise take years, 
from complex calculations about weather patterns to optimizing drug discovery, battery performance, and more. In November, IBM launched the most powerful quantum processing chip ever produced, the 433 Qubit Osprey, and in May, set its sights even higher, announcing a 10-year plan to make a 100,000 qubit processor. And the next Titan company being featured, Lockheed Martin, ramping up production by Guadalupe Gonzalez. Two weapons have proved particularly crucial in Ukraine's fight against Russia, both made by the largest U.S. defense contractor, which has upped productions to fill new orders. High-mobility artillery rocket system vehicles can fire rockets to hit targets nearly 50 miles away, and the shoulder-mounted anti-tank javelin system, jointly produced with Raytheon, allows troops to quickly take cover after firing a guided missile. The U.S. has provided more than 10,000 of those to Ukraine as of May 21st. Our products have proven to be effective for Ukrainian forces courageously defending their nation, says COO Frank St. John. The company's stock has benefited, too, rising more than 25% from January 22 to June of 23. All right, the next Titan being featured is CVS Health, Healing Healthcare Giant by Jamie Ducharme. Healthcare is broken, says CVS Health Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Sri Shagaturu, and his company wants to put it back together. Over the past year, the drugstore chain, led by CEO Karen Lynch, has dropped close to $20 billion on acquisitions of Oak Street Health, a senior-focused primary care network, and Signify Health, a home health care provider. Between those deals, its 2018 acquisition of health insurer Aetna and the continued expansion of the Minute Clinic walk-in care brand, which now operates in more than 1,100 locations nationwide, CFCVS has cemented its role as a player in nearly every aspect of U.S. health care. All right, we move now on to articles from the companies called leaders. The first leader being highlighted is titled Skims, Kim Kardashian and the Shaping of Culture by Belinda Luscombe. At this juncture, most people have already made up their minds about Kim Kardashian. They've either decided she's an early Nepo baby with zero talent who has ridden her sex appeal and shamelessness to fame and fortune and can safely be ignored. Or she's a once-in-a-generation mix of beauty and determination who hustled her way up from being Paris Hilton's assistant with her weapons-grade detector for cultural relevance and can move any needle she pushes. Until recently, the one person who didn't seem to have quite made up her mind about Kim Kardashian was Kim Kardashian. Her uncertainty is reflected in the slew of businesses she started, including two beauty lines, a jewelry collection, multiple perfumes, Kimojis, 
and a mobile game, most of which were profitable for a season, but never really stuck. At the beginning, when I didn't really understand where my career was going because I was just kind of winging it, I would do licensing deals with a lot of different companies that would contradict themselves, like a cupcake brand with a weight loss pill at the same time, she says. Skims, which first offered underwear and shapewear, but expanded into loungewear, swimwear, t-shirts, and dresses, has changed that and the way the business world sees her. Talking about her most successful solo venture, Kardashian seems relieved. I feel like, okay, I did it. Founded in late 2019, Skims says it made $500 million last year, 25% more than projected and 80% more than it made in 2021, which was up 90% from the year before that. So far, 2023 has been a down year for underwear sales, but buoyant for Skims. CEO Jens Greed, who co-founded the company with his wife Emma and Kardashian, says that sales of its intimates increased 80% year-over-year in April. Investors have noticed. In its latest round of funding in January of 22, the brand, which is privately held, was valued at $3.2 billion, double what it had been valued at just nine months prior. That's $2 billion higher than either her sister's Kylie Cosmetics or 2000-era shapewear icon Spanx ever climbed. Greed says he fields offers from outside investors weekly. Arguably, nothing any single Kardashian has done has been this astonishingly successful since their dad, Robert, took on the legal defense of O.J. Simpson. There are subtle signs of the company's impact, like a surge of copycats being dubbed as Skims Dupe on social media feeds. There are less subtle signs, too. The company is testing new brand extensions, such as a foray into bridal wear, and Kardashian exclusively tells Time, a line of men's loungewear and underwear launching this fall. And yes, there will be men's shapewear, too, she adds, but that will come later. Obviously, you have big hopes, but this definitely exceeds everything that I ever imagined, says Kardashian, who began to sense the brand would be a hit when she walked into some Hollywood party and was greeted by a guest raising her top to flash her skims. I still have, like, imposter syndrome or whatever, Kardashian says, but I think that's part of what keeps me going. Nobody is letting on whose idea skims was. But Emma Greed started a denim brand with Khloe Kardashian, and at some point Emma's husband, Jens Greed, and Kim discovered they had overlapping interests. Kim wanted better shapewear, and Green wanted better underpants. It started off with simply finding shapewear that was a skin tone that would match my color, says Kardashian. I used to take my shapewear and diet with tea bags and coffee in the bathtub. It was an imperfect method. She had to wear soaking wet shapewear under her clothes at Cannes after one last-minute dye job. A fan of dramatic slits, she would cut one leg off her Spanx and then tape the cut edge to her thigh so that it didn't roll up. 
Skims is not the first to offer 10 skin tones, from sand to onyx, and sizes from extra extra small to 4X. But some of the unusual shapes, such as a one-legged or the low-back version, were new even to fashion cognoscenti. Skims launched at the dawn of the pandemic, when online retailing was hot. Brand awareness was a snap, since Kardashian has more than 300 million followers just on Instagram, and plenty of people are interested in ads of her in her scanties. Unlike some of Kardashian's prior offerings, the products got good reviews. They have a really great fabric, says Tama Edmark, the CEO of the online lingerie retailer Her Room. It's very soft and it stretches like crazy. That's why it fits everybody. And the price point came in really well. Body suits, for example, are less than $60. Kardashian has put her own money into skims and is its biggest shareholder. She's also usually the fit model, which can mean hours of trying on tight underwear every week. She estimates she has tried on somewhere more of 7,000 items. I always like to see it on myself, she says. I can absolutely tell when I miss a few drops. On top of that, she skims creative director, choosing the fabrics, the cuts, and the campaign concepts, photographers, and models when they are not her. Greed says Kardashian is one of the best creatives he's ever worked with. To be a successful creative director today, you've got to have a point of view of the world, he says. You've got to have a very clear aesthetic that is identifiable to you, and you've got to be able to intimately understand popular culture. When he first showed Kardashian the packaging for Skims, she replied that it didn't look like something you'd find in her home. It went back to the drawing board. It was Kardashian's idea to get Snoop Dogg and his grandkids to do the Christmas campaign and to use the two actresses who played grifters in White Lotus for another. She knows how to orchestrate popular culture, says Greedy. Kardashian did more, however, than find a way to bring these styles to market. She also helped create the appetite for them. It's difficult to talk about Kardashian's contribution without engaging in the impolite business of discussing her figure. But it seems equally wrong to ignore it, since she has put such a lot of her time and money into it, and it's the shape that launched a thousand shipments. The reality store star has been both valorized and criticized for the way she has used her curves to build her brand. There are those who feel her popularization of the pear shape has been a liberation, and others who believe she owes more to black and Latino women than she has ever acknowledged. But most people agree that she has not let her assets go to waste. That's W-A-S-T-E. A big driver of fashion change is how we want our bodies to look and what kind of silhouette and body shape we think is beautiful, 
at this particular time, says Larissa King, a lingerie designer and assistant professor at New York City's Fashion Institute of Technology. As Kim Kardashian became more widely admired, people wanted really curvy behinds. So our pants got higher, so they did not interrupt that curve on the back. And the focus was on the waist and the curves and hips and rear end. Once pants get higher, underwear changes to accommodate. It's not just beauty standards. Commerce shifted in the star's favor as well. The Kardashians are direct-to-consumer family, and they work hard at it. Being a reality star is the direct-to-consumer version of fame. Dominating social media is the direct-to-consumer version of public relations. While Skims is available in some stores and online retailers, most sales are directly through skims.com. About a fifth of its customers are international, even though shipping is clunky. Since the Kardashians have colonized the international attention ecosystem, Skims' reach stretches around the globe. Even with initial success, celebrity brands are a high-risk proposition. Fame can fizzle, or a star can trip up, and the alchemy has to be just right. Greddy shows off the twin hazards of saturation and scandal. I cannot lose sleep over something I can't control, he says. Besides, he figures it will take an extraordinary event to take his co-owner down. Kim is an incredibly sophisticated person, he says. I don't know which crisis she hasn't been able to emerge from. It's true that the Kardashians have leaned into their more dysfunctional moments. Kim once told her sister Courtney during a scheduling conflict that she was the least exciting to look at, and the comment made it onto the air. They operate under the credo that crisis is good for business and therefore good for the family. So the border between their private and public lives has always been permeable. But many of the Kardashian women are mothers now and mothers get judged according to a different standard. As the Kardashian West children get older, their involvement in the family's influence empire becomes fodder for criticism. Kardashian admits that she hasn't quite figured out exactly how to merge her children into the business. Sometimes it's trial and error, she says. A recent get-together between the female rap star Ice Spice and Kim's nine-year-old daughter, North, led to an Ice Spice appearance in a Skims campaign. But it also led to a public complaint from North's father, Kanye West, when a video of North rapping along with some of Ice Spice's more salacious lyrics was uploaded to North and Kim's shared TikTok account. As soon as I saw the words, I was like, oh no, we're taking this down, says Kardashian, who sees TikTok as an important outlet for the oldest of her four children. I saw TikTok as an important outlet for the oldest of her four children. 
I saw on the internet people saying Kanye was right, and maybe he was in that instance, she says. But she loves making slime videos and doing her little hair tutorials, and I will fight for her to be creative. Kardashian is refreshingly game about discussing her errors of judgment, and she has learned how to handle them. Own up, right the wrong, move on. Skims was initially called kimono, but after outrage in Japan, she swiftly found and announced their another name with Kim in it. Last year, she reached a $1.26 million settlement with the SEC for not disclosing she was paid to promote a crypto product. What I learned was not to really trust everyone in spaces that you don't really know about, she says. I try not to make the same mistake twice. Fundamentally, she believes the appeal of her business lies in her authenticity, that she admits to not being able to achieve her world-famous shape without the help of stretchy pants. Perhaps she learned from her younger sister, Kylie Jenner, was famously mocked for her lip filler before launching her billion-dollar lip kits, that Achilles heels, or in Kardashian's case, Achilles heinies, are sometimes strengths. Of all the enterprises she has tried, she says, this one is the most her. It's just a part of me, she says. I take it really personally. It started off my body and my shapes, and it's very vulnerable. It's an open question whether Kardashian, whose brand is aggressively feminine, can successfully launch men's underpants. Greddy, who describes the goal as underwear that still looks good at the end of the day, points to Lululemon as a brand that crossed the gender divide. Skims says the men's collection will be marketed around athletes and musicians, an overlapping social circle that the Kardashian and Jenner sisters have been known to run in. Kardashian has certainly surprised her doubters before. She's studying law and has passed California's baby bar exam, which has notoriously low pass rate. In 2018, she helped persuade President Donald Trump to commute the life sentence of Alice Johnson, who had served 20 years for a nonviolent drug offense, and to pass long overdue criminal reform legislation. In a sign of how much more seriously she's been taken since founding Skims, in September, she founded an investment fund, SKKY, which is currently seeking capital to invest in clothing and food and beverage companies. But at 42 years old, Kardashian is cognizant that she may have a time stamp, as she puts it. I understand that maybe in my 50s I'm not going to be wanting to pose in my underwear, she says. She hopes to cut back her appearances and pose in slightly fewer campaigns each year. But she's also not giving up on what her, made her famous without a fight. We'll do anything we can to look as young as we can, she says, switching to the royal we as she should. We are not going to go out trying. And we will stop with that as our last Titan company. There will be four more, one, two, three, four, five, or six more 
next week, but this will be the end of our Airs LA podcast for this week. I have to remind you that you've been listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers, and no unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Again, my name is Nancy Porter, and it has been my pleasure to share Time Magazine with you.